Welcome to Women of the Hour. This is our Love and Sex bonus episode. We all have a first love, and here, Anne Helen Peterson, a writer at BuzzFeed, talks about hers. He was a year older. He was my chemistry partner, and he was so hot. <laughs> he had, like, this classic football player build, but he was short. Um, sometimes I describe it as, like, kind of Tom Cruise short. And he just had this, like, amazing smile. And where we grew up in Idaho, to be a football player was, like, this specific sort of royalty. His uniform was, like, a pair of jeans and a white T-shirt. And sometimes, you know, on game days, they'd wear their jerseys over their T-shirts and a hat. You know, we had chemistry first hour together, and he'd always be tired. And he would take a little nap and put his gum on top of his hat just to like keep it there for safekeeping. Uh, and that whole year, we were just friends, just kind of flirting friends. He was dating this other girl that I knew who was a volleyball player, and she's so jealous of her. And I was a cheerleader, but I was different than most girls in my school. Like, guys didn't like me. I never got asked to dances, hardly except for as friends. And I didn't have any confidence in myself or in that the idea that intelligence could be attractive. But like day in, day out, we were working as lab partners and he had to see my intelligence and like had to flirt with it, <laughs> essentially. And then he went to Virginia Military Institute, which again, like people from Lewiston, Idaho, just don't go that far away for school or make a decision that is that radical. That whole year, he was uh, what's called a rat. And it's like your first year of just essentially getting hazed nonstop. It sounds like torture. And we would talk all the time. Uh, mostly, I think he was just very lonely. And that developed into something like a deeper friendship, which developed into a relationship. And we spent like the next couple of years going back and forth in like, this is my boyfriend. This is maybe my boyfriend for the two weeks when we're home. We fought all the time. I knew he was in Iraq, and I, you know, I got emails that had these pictures of him. Everything's so whitewashed. They're wearing those, like, the heavy weight of those uniforms against the sun. He was the most gregarious and quarrelsome and frustrating and addictive person to me. I mean, I think most of us have that person when we're in high school and early in college. The person that, like, is foundational to who you're becoming. And you don't even realize just how foundational they are until many years later. Or, in my case, until he was gone. Luke was killed in action in November of 2004 in Iraq, near Fallujah. Captain Luke Wollenweber. Uh, he was an army ranger and had been in the military for several years. One morning, it was November, and I woke up early because I was a nanny. I, I would wake up at um, like 5.30, and so I just checked my email really quickly before I left, and there was an email from his brother. And I, I have like a very vivid picture, almost as if I'm outside of myself, 
of sinking to the ground and like not being able to breathe. I mean, which is, I think, you know, how it's represented in a lot of movies, but like that, that actual aimlessness, like you have no idea what the next minute is going to look like. And I did something that's still so weird to me today. Before, I, you know, I still had to go to work. Like I, maybe I should have canceled. Like I just, you can't, you don't think clearly. But I collected all of the letters that he had written me. And I mean, we had written, there were periods in our relationship where he had written me a letter every day and where I had written him every day. And I collected all of them and like, took them with me in every picture and every like small thing that he had given me and I took them with me to to my nanny job and I just cried like I was carrying this baby it's like a six-month-old baby and clung to it and walked around the block over and over again and the the newspaper from my hometown called me that afternoon after I had gotten home and I'm just sitting in my bed like trying to say you know the thing that matters about Luke is that his family was precious to him. The thing that matters about Luke is that he had such a complex approach to the world and to this war and to the idea of service. And like I kept trying to say the thing that matters about him. And I, I couldn't. I mean, there was nothing. They printed all sorts of things that I said, but none of them were the thing that matters about Luke, which is that he had loved me. and was the first person who wasn't, you know, my family or my friends who had shown me that there was something really, I mean, lovable, valuable. I talk about Luke not a lot because <laughs> it's a weird thing to say that my ex-boyfriend was killed in the war as people I mean just that phrase it's like oh were you dating at the time like somehow if you were dating at the time it makes that loss it makes it more acute but he was still just as precious to me even if he wasn't my boyfriend at that time I wrote about it one time, and I feel very, very close to that piece of writing. It's not perfect, but I like to read it because it, because it gets at all of the things that I found so, so compulsively charismatic about him. So even just in the act of reading it, it's like feeling closer to him. It's kind of like a Bible verse in that way, like something that you reread over and over again. <sighs> Luke would think what I do is so funny. He loved my writing. He knew that if he wrote me back, I would write more. I don't have that many pictures of him. I don't have... I, I took all the letters, all the things that were that were precious to me, and I took the best parts and I collected them and I gave it to his family because I wanted them to see like just how vulnerable he could be with me. Like I wanted them to see that side of him. 
so I don't have those things anymore. But there are images in my mind that that I keep, and you know, I I I dream about him probably once a month, and there are always these scenarios in which he's alive. And I've written about like the the crazy experience of waking up crying. And it's never that I'm crying in the actual dream. It's just I think it's that I'm happy and that somehow in that space between like being asleep and waking up, there's like this this moment of realization and the tears start. But I always I just I love those dreams because he's there. Like he's so vivid. It's like he's a sixteen millimeter camera, like piece of film that's playing in my mind. And I see him and all of, you know, his, he has two brothers and a sister, and they all have many children, and they all look like him, except for, the, you know, when he was a kid, he had these horrible, horrible, dorky, late 80s, early 90s glasses. And none of them have that, but I just, I feel like if I could just put them on one of these kids, I would see him all over again. I just want to sit next to the pool the way we used to and drink Cokes and not talk about anything. Like that's, that's the thing. Like he was very, you know, even though he was a teaser and he was so charismatic and could talk to anyone, the thing I liked the most was like the silence and just being next to him. And there was so much that we said to each other without saying anything. Grief for me, experiencing it when, in the weeks after Luke died, was like a vast dullness. I didn't want to think about anything that wasn't him. And so a lot of times my mind would just empty out entirely. And I couldn't sleep. And everywhere, you know, in the weeks, the days after, like everyone... All the ex- the things that you do, like I went home and I was at his family's house for a very long time and there's just like endless glasses of wine. And so you have this like sour stomach of extreme fatigue. I mean, that's the thing about grief is it it ages you and it it fatigues you. And I almost think it's like it's forcing you to look straight at at your sadness and at that loss. Like, you are mired in it. And I'm grateful that I was at a place in my life, you know, I was 23 years old and I had a nanny job that I could, like, completely sink into it. I think it's easy in the moment, like, when you're not with that person or you're not talking to them every day, for them not to completely understand, like how fundamental a person can be to another person. So I just, I I hope that he knows or that he knew how crucial he was to me. And I just, I hope he knows that he made me and my beliefs and who I am probably more than any other person but his loss also has made me the person that I am 
Like, I really do feel like I grew the fuck up the moment that he died. There was this point where I only wanted to be around people who had known him or who had seen him or who understood what he meant to me. And so as I meet new people, as I date new people, I can't explain it to them. Like, it's not palpable to them. And that feels like there's a part of me that they will never know as a result. And that that feels, like, tremendously sad to me. But at the same time, I think I cherish maybe that, that unknowable part of myself. I feel like there are gashes in my timeline and in my life where he was. But I feel so grateful for them. And I wonder if I would know him as well, if I would have thought as much about him and his effect on me if he hadn't have died. And that makes me sad. I don't want to have to realize someone's value, like their, their true value in my life until, until they leave. Like, that's, like sometimes I wonder if we would have circled back to each other and how different my life would have been. It would have been hard, like our personalities and our hopes, like where, we, where I am now, living in New York, you know, is such a different trajectory. But there's part of me that thinks about that. Sometimes the grief that I feel for him and continue to feel for him, it just feels like it feels like one of my best friends. <laughs> Since he's not here, I have that that grief and that sorrow as something that accompanies me and that I would love to look at, I love to face, I love to uh, wallow with me. <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say about losing someone when you're young, but I miss him and his lovely, beautiful face and that mind that just felt complimentary to mine. <laughs> <laughs>